With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. You're with Chris Smith on today's News Talk Radio. TNT. I am energy obsessed. I am so interested in how the world will keep the lights on in the years to come. It's not funny, especially when I see countries such as as Australia stuff it up completely. Australia is has become the unofficial leader of the world in stuffing up the future of energy security. But look what's happening in Stockholm. This is an announcement made in the last 24 hours. Sweden's government said it aimed to build the equivalent of two new conventional nuclear reactors by 2035 on Thursday to meet surging demand for clean power from industry and transport and was prepared to take on some of the costs. By 2045, the government wants to have the equivalent of 10 new reactors, some of which are likely to be small modular reactors, smaller than conventional reactors. Energy Minister Eber Bush said the government was planning a massive build-out of new nuclear power by 2045. It's decisive for the green transition, for Swedish jobs, and at heart for the welfare of our citizens, she told reporters. Countries like Poland, the Czech Republic, and Britain are looking at expanding nuclear power as societies transition to a fossil fuel-free future. I wouldn't suggest to move too far away from fossil fuels because I doubt whether we could get our baseload power from any other source for at least 50 years. However, that's what Sweden wants to do. Critics have pointed to the huge costs and the private sector's reluctance to invest. Well, there is some reluctance, mainly because we haven't got to the grand manufacturing stage yet. It is purely in the early stages of development, the nuclear modular reactors. What do you think is going to happen when we learn exactly what technology needs to come out in front, needs to be focused on, and we start producing large amounts of this stuff? It will be cheaper. How can you say the same thing about wind turbines? How can you say the same thing about solar panels and batteries, which is as you produce more and as we get the technology better, it will cost less? How can you say that about that technology, but not about small modular nuclear reactors? You can't have it both ways. Let's go to our talkback lines. I've got, uh, I think, Jeannie on the line from Australia. Go right ahead, Jeannie. Oh, Janine, Chris. Janine. Hi, um, Janine. Chris, I, uh, you just talked about the UN and um, how they like to scare everybody. Yeah. Um, what I wanted to talk about was the UN and their dirty little fingers in our water. Um, because yesterday there were rallies at Griffith, Leeton and Daniloquin, um, mm-hmm. because people are really concerned about... Um, our communities are going to be gutted once again. I mean, there's already been a round of that, but they're planning to um, water buybacks because they want this 450 gigalitres that, you know, they can't even get down the um, river system. It's like when your rainwater gutters run over, it's got nowhere to go. Well, mm. it floods. So, um, but what, uh, and, and this is going to, um, you know, this is going to see, our community's gutted because it's not just the farmers that totally flows on um, to the secondary industries and then you lose, you know, you lose school enrolments and you lose um, your manufacturing and your other food production and jobs and equity in your homes and all sorts of things. So 
Um, so this is what they want to do. And now they're having a review of the Water Act, um, mm. and they're calling this the, oh, I think it's, it's called the Water Amendment Restoring Our Rivers Bill. But this is where they want to take this um, water out. But the other thing, they saw fit only to have public hearings in Canberra. They didn't come out to the regions for their hearings. Um, and... And yet that's usually what goes on. You usually have major meetings of locals in major country centres so that you actually get your ears on the ground instead of sticking in Canberra and being in a cocoon. Well, the problem is, Chris, and this is what I've really been on about for a long time, the, they don't have to because in the Water Act, they list a whole lot of international agreements that we've signed there's a whole list, and there's Ramsar and um, bird ones and environmental ones and the climate change ones. But at the end of that, they say, and any other international convention to which Australia is party, and that's relevant to the use and management of the basin water resources. Now, I think I was the first one in Australia to bring this to the public's attention because this actually means future as yet unsigned conventions. So you're saying that the UN is having an influence on what goes on with our uh, southern flowing rivers because they don't want farmers to take the the, the lion's share. Uh, well, when you have you have to really go back. It's a longer conversation than this, but I'd have to go back because the UN, like under the World Bank, sits from the UN's Global Water Partnership. Now they told us back in 2010 that it takes considerable time, decades and not years, for institutional reform and new initiatives on integrated water resources management. Now, what they are doing is sending down and taking our people and bureaucrats over there to tell them what world's best practice is. And, I mean, it's a great junket if you're a bureaucrat. The problem <laughs> is, <laughs> you know, the, the people who are actually doing the real work and actually producing something are the ones that get jammed up in all of this. Yeah, so yeah. We've, you know, so they are, and this was the thing at the beginning, it, everybody was up in arms because they only had to take in the environmental considerations. Because of this list of instruments that they listed in the Water Act, we only had to take into consideration environmental things. So eventually they sort of appeared to give in and say, oh, well, you can have your triple bottom line of socioeconomic and environmental um, outcomes to be taken into consideration. Now, the environmental outcome, the environment part has never ever been defined. Um, you know, usually in a legal document, do you define what the terms are? Well, yeah. the environment's never been defined. That's just another little side issue. Um, but because we were part, because of the Tasmanian Dam Act, which people think, oh, what, what's that got to do with this? But that was sort of the watershed moment in Australia um, because it basically gave the Commonwealth power over the states. Now, if we signed an international agreement. So now we've, we've signed it and they've, they've mentioned all these agreements in the Water Act, which means that comes under that. And so by default, the Commonwealth is giving that power to the UN and that's why they opened it up to... Um, you know, the big boys to be able to buy water. See, Listen, I tell you what we might do. Um, I tell you who, of all the commentators that I have on this program, 
The one that understands this issue more than any has got to be Alan Jones, and he appears on Monday on the program. I'd love to get you on the show on Monday, Janine, whilst he's on the program so that you can exchange notes and exchange information, and so maybe he can take it up for you as well. Yeah, well, that would be really good because, you know, as it, as it turns out now, um, you know, we're not – the crux of the problem, this is the crux of the problem because they – what they're doing now, and just to finish this conversation, and certainly I'm happy to come back and do that, but the government has told us in one of their uh, responses to a constitutional affairs report that, in summary, the general purpose of the Water Act and the Basin Plan – uh, to give effect to relevant international agreements. So so you can see now what I'm saying. Mm. And Yeah, they've got a know, direct influence on how we deal with our water. Yeah, and it's not about food security and it's not about Australians. It's, you know, it's totally screwing everybody here down and they are just going to go and take this out. And they've now, in this revision, they've taken out this socioeconomic neutrality testing which is just another fancy way of saying, well, we don't have to worry about the triple bottom line anymore. We just go back to the environmental thing, which is what's in the Act. And I yeah. agree that okay. that's actually what the law is. I'm, I'm hearing and understanding your argument immensely. I didn't know those connections existed, but I tell you who will, Alan. You let's let's get in yep. contact with each other via the email and let's um, uh, try and slot you in at a particular time when he joins me next Monday, Janine. Okay, thanks, Chris. No problem. So Let's much. get in contact. Thank you very much. I want to go to a quick break, an early break, and then we'll come back after that and catch up with Senator Holly Hughes on TNT Radio. TNT Radio's Steve Malsberg. I don't know if you're aware of the so-called protests that took place at the gates of the White House where uh, red paint, supposed to be blood, was uh, thrown at the uh, gates. The gates were being um, grabbed and, and shaken back and forth. Uh, you had F Israel painted on, uh, on the wall of a building. Building. You had a statue in Lafayette Park defaced. You also had chants of F. Joe Biden. And yet, with all that, and I think of January 6th, and there were some people who deserved to be arrested, certainly on January 6th, but they're still going after people who simply walked into that building and did nothing. Uh, and yet you had one person arrested during that whole episode that I just described in Washington, D.C., at the gates of the White House and in Lafayette Park over the weekend, Saturday. It sounds pretty incredible. The Steve Mall. Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Take us back in time. And who was Mike Flynn? He was the National Security Advisor to the President. Why is it that they go after me so hard? Why me? Why does Barack Obama only talk about two people to the incoming President of the United States? When I was sentenced, the judge says, You have been convicted of lying to cover up for Donald Trump. To which I say, Cover up what? Russian collusion? There was no Russian collusion to cover up. We see in today's current uh, scenario with President Joe Biden, who came in with high expectations, that he has been viewed as divisive. And we're committed to advancing transgender equality in the classroom. The liberal media say, well, this is his love for his son, and yes, he's going to protect his son. But let me tell you, a lot of fathers love their sons, but their sons had to go to jail when they broke the law. This moment, people see a lot of those telltale signs of a far left drift to the country. Whether you're talking about socialism or you're talking about communism, socialism is just a kinder cousin of communism. But the goal is the same, for the state to have control of every aspect of your life. We had multiple hearings on different 
agencies that have actually just gone rogue. They took fewer men in the takedown of El Chapo than they did to arrest me. And Comey went back to his organization and brought his other thugs together to basically give them the ground rules. Okay, here's how we're gonna, here's what we're gonna do. And give, now I need some ideas about how to execute this, basically this act of treason. I think we all know, James Comey, that you're a great storyteller because you made up the entire story about Crossfire Hurricane. So it's really fitting that a criminal like yourself wrote a crime novel. Do you remember me? Remember me from your book signing? It doesn't matter whether they're Republican or Democrat. People will sell their soul to obtain an ounce of political power in Washington, D.C. I don't even know that draining the swamp is the appropriate metaphor anymore after what we've seen these last four years. We need basically an exorcism in Washington, D.C. When, you know, Satan is tempting Jesus in the desert, I'll, I'll give you all the riches of the world. I'll give you everything. All you have to do is bow to me. That's what Barack Obama has done. That's what Jim Comey has done. That's what these bastards have done. The Fall of Deceit at SalemNow.com. Internet. Internet. A stream online. TNTradio.live. Today's News Talk Radio. TNT. Okay, let's get straight to Senator Holly Hughes, Senator for New South Wales from the Liberal Party. Welcome. Good afternoon, Chris. How are you? I'm very well. I am looking forward to Christmas. Already, you sent me a message today uh, trying to work out exactly when you were going to have time off. Is it like that? Do you get to about the third week in November and think, where is the finishing line? Well, I was actually thinking about it this morning. This feels like an election year. Like it's, you know, those years that are just big years and sort of really have a lot packed into them. And I guess really that was the referendum as opposed to it being a, a general election that we had this year. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, and the last two, we've just had two sitting weeks, Senate only, and then a joint sitting week. Yeah. Uh, and then we've got another two coming up. And, it, you know, the government has no agenda whatsoever. Oh. They're just completely out of control. So it's just, I think everyone's looking forward to just a bit of a finishing line. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about how much the government has not paid attention to the things that matter. Home prices could plummet by 10% in Australia, we read today, if a nightmare scenario unfolds between now and the end of next year, and it's more likely than unlikely. According to SQM Research, continued interest rate rises, record immigration, growing employment, and an oil price shock could send prices crashing next year. Do you even think the federal Labor government understands how this works? I don't think they've got any clue how any of this works. They seem to have no comprehension whatsoever when it comes to looking at fiscal policy and what they need to do to try and rein in inflation because that is really the biggest issue underlying the economy at the moment. And that's what is just, you know, one of the major factors into this current cost of living crisis. But if you listen to any of those in the government, they'll tell you everything's great. You know, they've got this 10-point plan that they're working through and everything's fantastic. And, you know, if I hear cheaper childcare once more, oh. you know, and, and, and a boost to bulk billing. Well, I mean, I'm still yet to find anyone who can find a bulk billing doctor. Like, yeah. they may have increased the Medicare rebate, which they would have hoped would have led to an increase in bulk billing, but doctors everywhere are saying, yeah, no, nowhere near enough, we're still going to have a gap payment. So I think they are completely deluded. They don't understand that they need to stop spending. Yeah. They need to curb this 
massive immigration that they've got going on at the moment. Uh, all of that is putting continuing pressure on housing prices, on housing availability, uh, and keeping that inflation at record highs, which is then, you know, in turn pushing onto the housing market through through mortgages. So yeah, and, and mortgage and owners need to understand that although they're the ones being screwed here, it's the government that should be screwed in terms of their spending. Oh, absolutely. And this, you know, it's more it's it's people with a mortgage, whether it's for their own home or for an investment property. Uh, that are being punished here. And when you think about those that have it for an investment property, they are quite often what the renters are using, and so that is them pushing up rent. So you've got two-thirds of the Australian marketplace either live in their own home or rent a home, uh, and both of them are being squeezed because of these mortgage rate increases. And, you know, the the sad thing is it looks like there's another one on the way. So it is just, it is making such a big impact, and it's making an impact everywhere there are very few areas that are being uh excluded that aren't feeling this cost of liver crisis the cost of living crisis that is is really of the making of this labor government all right let's go to the former labor minister for hookers one of (laughs) labor's favorite unionists craig thompson the former member for doe bell who we can't possibly forget him He's pleaded guilty to rorting a whole raft of government grants. Look, I know we all make mistakes, and I know sometimes um, we get into all sorts of problems, but I actually think that you are more responsible for those problems when you premeditate them, Holly. Well, it's like he's had this, you know, the snout in the trough and he just doesn't quite know how to extract himself from it. It's like, you know, most people get a job and earn money and pay their bills rather than looking for a way to rot their way around the system. I mean, this this just seems to be something problematic for this guy across the board. You know, it's just one instance after another. He's a shocker. Now, I, I dare not even try to explain where the Brittany Higgins Parliament House rape allegations are up to, but I keep telling my audience right around the globe exactly where we're up to. I'm, I'm kind of getting confused myself. Apart from a trial, which fell over, a massive payout handed to the alleged victim, an inquiry which nailed the prosecutor more than the accused, and a number of defamation and cross-defamation cases. The acquitted man, Bruce Learman, is also suing Channel 10. Does that about sum it up? Uh, Yeah, it's about there. There's a few other little elements you could probably throw in as well. But, um, you know, this defamation case against Channel 10, I think could be really interesting as it plays out because I feel that this will be almost a de facto criminal trial uh, in the sense that we didn't get a conclusion in the criminal trial and the same evidentiary rules don't apply in defamation. Uh, So the fact that Channel 10 is using the truth defence uh, they are going to have to prove that. Yeah. So it's it's going to be really interesting. Uh, apparently both Mr. Lemon or Mr. Lemon's apparently on the stand right now, uh, but Miss Higgins will actually also be required to give evidence. So oh. it will be interesting to see, you know, how this will unfold as the evidence is given. Um, be interesting to see whether or not um, people actually turn up or we have all of a sudden mental health episodes or whatever that, precludes them from participating um but you know the questions that will be asked and i think need to be answered around an awful lot of inconsistency around miss higgins claims that were uh, brought up both at the criminal trial and then further exposed during the inquiry around it so 
I mean, hopefully at some point there can be some sort of clarity as, as to maybe what really did go on. Mm. All right. Yeah. You do a lot of work in the autism space. Uh, now we understand that under the NDIS, a diagnosis of autism alone won't get you access to the National Disability Insurance Scheme. Uh, it's one of the cuts coming in trying to streamline the NDIS. I understand how important streamlining it is, but Holly, has Minister Bill Shorten cut in the wrong place? Look, <laughs> this is a plan to have a look at it. You know, again, this is a government not doing anything. They're talking about having a look at this is maybe one Shorten's area. is a classic for doing and saying this oh. stuff, isn't he? Oh, look, it's unbelievable. Look, I, for one, I, I have an autistic son. Uh, he was diagnosed when he was two. Uh, as I like to say, we're not dipping our toe. We're swimming in the deep end of autism. You know, his classical autism um, with, a, with a series of other diagnoses that go with that. The fact of the matter is, ever since the DSM-5, and this gets a bit technical, but this is sort of the book that defines uh, medical conditions, it changed and it got rid of a whole lot of conditions that previously uh, previously existed, global developmental delay, Asperger's, um, pervasive developmental delay, amongst many, many others, and bundled them all into autism level one, level two, level three. And level three is at the most severe end. Level two is, is sort of the midstream where uh, you might have some communication but need some assistance. You know, there'll be some challenges, but you're not at that, that very severe end of autism uh, that is usually accompanied with an intellectual disability as well. And level one was really to cover all of these diagnoses that they got rid of. And these were things that would never have been considered permanent and lifelong disabilities. Yet we know that a lot of people are being diagnosed with autism level two and up to access the NDIS. Now, that shouldn't be happening, but it's happening because the state governments vacated the field when the NDIS yeah. came yeah. in. So if you want to, if you need a bit of support through community health for an OT or a speech therapist, that has gone. Mm. The state governments are not supplying uh, enough aids and supports in the classrooms that they should be providing. So parents are desperate to get help. Um, but I, I, I actually do think this is the right area to be starting in, um, but it'll be interesting to see how they do it. Um, there's a lot of ways you can look at it. Uh, I was with an, I was talking to an OT yesterday uh, and she was telling me about the people that come in and ask for things to go into reports so they can access NDIS funding for them. And it's just wrong. Um, mm. Families, you know, she might say to them, look, swimming lessons would be good or swimming would be good. Um you know, whatever it might be to help build up gross motor skills. Uh, and the parent's like, well, can you put it in a report so I can get it under the NDIS? And it's like, no, no, you know, and she's one of those good ones that won't do it. Mm. Um, but, you know, parents do shop around to get these things. Um, that is a problem. It's taxpayers' money. It's there for people who need it. Yeah. And I actually think it's an abuse of the system. And there seems to have been since the NDIS came in too, and this is I'm no doubt going to win me a lot of friends, but a lot of parents now seem to think that if their kids need a bit of assistance somewhere or they need to do anything, that someone else should pay for it. Um, you've got kids. I've got three. I've got one with autism, but I've got two without, um, you know, anything else diagnostically. Uh, and kids cost money. 
kids Ugh. need stuff all the time, you know, yeah. and that's just the reality. Um, and this is where state governments have really lost people, you know, let people down because instead of, instead of having access to those community health services, they've just rolled them back to being non-existent. And so families are having to go to pr- pr- private providers, which are more expensive, long, long wait list times. Uh, and, and so they are looking for, for assistance in getting access to those services. So there's a lot of complexity to it. I don't think it's a bad area to start looking at because I do think the diagnostic levels are wrong. I don't think it's um, it's actually a bit demeaning to people who have that classical autism, who have that uh, that more serious form of autism yeah, yeah, that is. requires substantial long, lifelong supports because, you know, a lot of people then see kids who, who, really, who don't have autism, who don't... Yeah. Um, uh, have the challenges that these people do, and it diminishes their experiences and the supports that they need. So, you know, I'm I would be quite happy uh, to see something happen at that end. But yet again, I don't think the Labor government will do anything because Ugh. someone will say to them, "Oh, you know what? We promised the disability community that we wouldn't do anything to upset them, uh, and there's that many votes in the space, so we're not actually going to do anything." That like, wouldn't surprise just- me. You know, so I think they can talk about it. They'll put these scary things out. People, and, and all it does is upset parents, scare them, uh, especially those that do genuinely need the help. One last one. Your party's vacant Senate seat is a curious thing. The departure of former Foreign Minister Maurice Payne, it's led to a scramble for this coveted seat. Are you Ooh. about to hand it to former New South Wales Transport Minister Andrew Constance? Really? Well, look, you know, Chris, I am not a selector in this. I have taken a very active stance of being. <laughs> is, is there a out committee of, of selectors like a cricket team? Look, there is. Um, there's about seven hundred and fifty people who <laughs> will select this person, uh, yeah. and you know, I'm back up for pre-selection next year. So they, these same people will determine where I am on the ticket next year, um, because look, quite honestly, because the person that is selected by the Liberal Party members will be a colleague of mine. I'm, you know, not actively out there pushing one way or the other, um, you know, and it, if you talk to three people, you get four versions of who's going to win. So, um, <laughs> look, I've got to say it, it is a bit unusual that I really don't have an idea who's going to win. Um, there's certainly a lot of people pushing uh, Andrew Constance, but there's a lot of people pushing others in the race as well um, to, you know, Basically, I'm the only non-moderate senator in the in the Senate and the New South Wales team at the moment. I'm the only one from the Conservative team, so there is there is a lot of people pushing to have someone more conservative join the New South Wales Senate team. So we will know on Sunday. All right, we'll be watching that space very intently. Thank you so much for your time, and I hope you can choose your holidays fairly and squarely, oh, and just look, pick I them all. Just tick every just one of the days. Them. Just trying to work in with you, Smithy. <laughs> Good on you, Holly. Thank you very much. All right. Speak to you soon. Good on you. Senator for New South Wales from the Liberal Party of Australia, Senator Holly Hughes. Got to get you some news. And then after the news, um, I want to talk about a major, uh, I guess, negotiation between employers and the Labor government in Australia, which will see the Labor government's New industrial relations reforms come into place. Is that a good thing, a bad thing, or is the brokered deal something that both sides can crow about? We will talk to Graham Wynne from the recruitment industry right after the break on TNT Radio. TNT Radio News. Get the news. (laughs) The news. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. 
After bombing the Gaza Strip for 45 days, killing more than 14,000 Palestinians, Israel has agreed to a four-day ceasefire with Hamas, which will see the warring sides swap hostages for prisoners. The US has carried out a deadly airstrike on Iranian-backed militants in Iraq in retaliation for a missile strike that wounded eight American soldiers. And Iran's released new visions showing what it claims to be the successful test launch of the country's new hypersonic missile. On air and on the app. I listen on the app. Stay up to date around the clock. I listen, therefore I know. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Well, it took long enough, but finally the Fair Work Commission is catching up with those who are illegitimately demanding to work from home. And let me say again before I'm bombarded by those of you who work from home about the fact that I'm being unfair to you. Yes, I understand that in certain sectors and given the role that you may have, it could be advantageous, more than disadvantageous to stay at home and work. But the latest is that a business has won a tribunal decision against an employee who asked to work from home 100% of the time in a first test of new workplace laws. Now, the Fair Work Commission last Thursday turned down this father's request to work exclusively from home for health and uh, parental reasons. The tribunal found the salary packaging firm Maxia had reasonable business grounds to reject the demand, which at the end of the day is quite a precedent. Joining me to discuss this case and more on the workplace front is Graham Wynn. Graham is the founder and director at Superior People Recruitment, and he joins us from Melbourne. Graham Wynn, welcome back to TNT Radio. Good afternoon, Chris. How are you today? Very, very well, mate. So what more do we know about this case and the argument mounted by this employee? It's an interesting one because basically what he wanted was the work from home 100%. He has a child every second week and needs to care for, and he also says he has a bit of an IBS issue, a little bowel syndrome, which means he needs to keep going to the bathroom all the time. So they were, those are his reasons. The employer, though, turned around and said, well, okay, we'll work with you the best way we can. They only insisted on him being in the office 40% of the time. The rest he could work from home. That was their arrangement. So all you'd have to do is place your desk closer to the loo and you'd sort out the IBS problem. And the employer did that for him. They moved his desk closer to the bathrooms to make it easier for him as well. And their other argument was that basically most people have kids who have to look after them solely, make other arrangements. That's what they do. That's what everybody else does. Right. But their real overriding reason they won, they could prove his productivity had dropped working from home. He was only working at about 50% of what they expected from him Consequently, by proving that side of it, Fair Work said, well, okay, there's a clear line, you work more effectively in the, in the office, so therefore, yes, they can insist you go back to the office. So they want it for those reasons. Now, Fair Work said every case will be treated on merit, but I think we all know once you do this, a precedent is set. Oh, yeah. We, we foresee floodgates now. This one. Yeah, and I guess it's interesting that they would make this decision against staying 100% of the time at home, um, as opposed to the opposite scenario, if they'd have ruled in the opposite direction, it could have created a more dangerous precedent, do you think? Absolutely, yes. If they'd said you must work in the office 100%, that would have created another problem entirely. So yeah. that the way it's been worded is very clever, if you like. They're saying you cannot work 100% from home. And, and basically, the employer has to be able to justify why you cannot work from home or to be seen to have made every attempt to assist you with that. 
And this yeah. employer clearly has. They've done everything. They've bent over backwards for him as much as they could. And in the end, Fair Work said they've done all they can do. So, no, you're back to the office, unfortunately, whether you like it or not. Okay, explain this to me, though. The business was able to compare Mr. Gregory's productivity levels, 50% from home, which is well below the 85% target. But that's not so easy for every employee or every employer because you may not have spent any time in the company office if you just joined, maybe during COVID or after COVID. Uh, It's hard to produce facts or evidence based on productivity from home or office, isn't it? It's very, very difficult, and you're right, depending on the job. If his job, for instance, being the salary packaging company, if his job is to process paperwork and applications, you can monitor where you're used to doing 20 a day, now you're doing four a day. So you can monitor certain things. Sure. I think what a lot of companies have started to do with the work from home is actually set a lot more KPIs than they used to when you're in the office. So they can actually monitor now. Okay, you're not working at the level we expect you to, therefore back to the office. So I think more KPIs are being set, and we're seeing that in new placements at the moment. Employers are setting, this is what we expect from you, far more rigid than they used to, to try and be able to show, okay, working from home, you're not as efficient or effective as we want you to be. So that's how they can do it. But certainly some jobs it's impossible to do. Um, But yes, certain jobs now, yes, you can start monitoring. Of course, some companies now have the software where they can actually monitor your keystrokes, how how many times you're doing work on your computer, (laughs) how often you're logged in for. So there's all that software out there now, technology, that they are monitoring it much more closely. Because I think we all know that particularly small to medium business, they want you back in the office. There's no doubt about that. And I think in the next couple of years, more and more will be back in the office than currently. Uh, it, interesting that you've got a precedent, and I wonder whether the precedent will dissuade others from pressing their point with their employers that they should be home longer. It might actually do that. I want to t- turn to Canberra. This is a, a major deal which has been struck. It's on the front page of two papers today. Labor uh, introduced new workplace laws in June named Same Job, Same Pay under their Secure Jobs, Better Pay Reform. Now, employers stood in the way of this for quite some time, but we hear today that a compromise has been brokered with employers. Now, this is a complicated issue. I won't go into too much more of the detail, but what does it actually mean? Is a compromise good for both sides now? I don't think it's going to work too well, this compromise. And the real issue on the same job, same pay is simply if you've been doing a job for 20 years or one year, you get the same money. It doesn't work in the real world, That no. People need to be rewarded for the time, the experience, and the same job, same pay, doesn't want to do that. It says we're all the same, we all get paid the same salary, it can't work. It, and even it, if, you, and if you're employed in the same job in, say, a regional area, your job is going to be completely different despite the fact that you've given the same name, the same title. Your job yeah. is going to be completely different to someone working in the same job in the city. Correct. And the compromise they've done basically is what they've said is if you're a contractor, you're excluded from the same job, same pay. But if you're a permanent employee, you're right. still included. So that compromise won't last because the employers do not want this. And I can understand why they don't want it. And certainly I would think a lot of employees, it's going to cause a lot of angst this. If you've been there for 10, 15 years and someone new comes in on the same money as you, you're not going to be happy. You're really not going to be happy. So it's going to cause a lot of problems, this. All right. We'll see. I don't understand why something had to be fixed when I don't think it was broken, but certainly right. the, same co- 
Exactly. The same kind of approach in the yeah. 70s had to be changed because it was broken. But anyway, yeah. I've got to ask you about this brain-dead Queensland University of Technology Vice-Chancellor. Professor Margaret Scheel has removed all references to merit from its hiring policy. It's now a more inclusive suitability assessment based on factors such as gender and ethnic backgrounds. It's just yeah. twisted bias, isn't it? It is twisted bias. You're absolutely right. And she, so she's saying merit doesn't come into it. Um, her opinion is that basically people are biased anyway. So by you, by, when you say it's all merit-based how we employ people, her argument is you're all biased anyway about a certain type of person you want <laughs> in that job. But so surely that's not fair. Surely if you have a committee within a, 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 a business where, okay, you three are the recruitment people, you've got to recruit on the basis of merit, you are going to focus on merit, aren't you? Absolutely correct, which should mean best man, woman or other for the job regardless. Yes. That's what employers want to do. And this, this quota system, which... I'm not sure if you're aware, but companies who employ more than 100 people now have to report on quotas in the workplace yeah. and what they're doing to try and even that out. That's a new thing that's come in. So that, that's causing a problem as well. But her argument saying we also need to look at demographics. Now, demographics basically to me is male or female is what she's talking about because she's right. saying that in universities there are not enough female teaching. So if she's using demographics as a, as a clever way of saying it's sexist, if you like, that's what they're looking at. So she's going to try and encourage far more females into that workplace, oh. which is reverse discrimination, in my opinion. Of course it is. Yep. Let's and, discriminate and against the males because I want more females. No, just get the best graduates for correct. the job. Work out exactly whether they're adapted to, to learn and be the person that you need uh, to produce and then hire the best person based on merit. End of story. It's that simple. You want the best person for that job, regardless of whatever. You yeah. just want the best person to do that job. All right. Um, I've got to leave it there, Graham. You've been so helpful, especially on this very complicated IR reform, um, which I think is just a payoff from the election to the union movement who are looking forward Agreed. to this. Agreed. Graham Wynn, thank you very much for your time. You're welcome. We'll talk again, Chris. Take okay. care. We'll do. Founder and director at Superior People Recruitment, Graham Wynn. All right, next. We're going all cyber on you. Big day for talking cyber and technology, in particular with Black Friday just around the corner. Back after this on TNT Radio. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. I used to work for the once great AccuWeather. I don't know if any of you know the history of AccuWeather, but it was started by a brilliant meteorologist, a pioneer in his field, Dr. Joel Myers. And his philosophy was simple. Let me get the best forecasters and put them under one roof. And then let them compete against each other. And so what happened was when AccuWeather started in the 70s and 80s, it was like the New York Yankees of weather. It was unbelievable. But as time went by, things have changed. Joel is long retired, for instance, and now they are one of the main media outlets, I call them meteorological misinformation media, that continues to whip the hysteria. Now, my bias against that is the fact that I used to work for them, and there were so many great people that I learned from there. And I don't know what they think about what they see now, but there's one climate article after another coming out. But you know something? 
I'm being too harsh on this because there's a poll on Twitter by me if you want to go look, the American Storm, and you're more than welcome to vote on it. It says only 3% of people responding say that they drive climate hysteria the most. Guess who is winning hands down? The Weather Channel, 40.6%. Behind them, the New York Times, 30.5%. So the Washington Post is in there at 25.9%. So these articles, and apparently they just appear in front of me every morning. Whenever I open up my computer, there's a bunch of them that just flash on. I gotta not let them bother me. Obviously, no one's really looking at that. They're looking at the Weather Channel, the Washington Post, and the New York Times. And believe me, they're beating the drum like mad. This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog, meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you got. When the world's endangered animals need help most, when their lives are at greatest risk, when they would otherwise be lost, the International Fund for Animal Welfare is there, taking action to rescue the animals we love, to protect them and their threatened natural habitats. See how you can help animals and people thrive together at joinifall.org. Where the story goes, we follow. Chris Smith on today's News Talk TNT Radio. Hey, good to have your company. Um, we've got to get to Alex Zaharoff-Royt, who runs a site called techadvice.life, which is your key to all the latest cyber and technology news. He is right up to date and even on some of the goss. And when it comes to Sam Altman from ChatGPT's um, bunker, of course, Sam has been fired. And boy, oh boy, is there goss associated with that. Alex Zaharoff-Royt, welcome to the program. Great to see you again, Smithy. Good to have you on the program. So fired last week by the board at OpenAI um, with reports that there were so many within the organisation that were fired up about it and didn't like it. Um, then reports emerged that Microsoft uh, had hired him directly. Now there's talk he'll be back at OpenAI. What is going on? Well, that's the big question. I mean, it sounds like it's an episode of the real executives or the real founders of Silicon Valley. You know, this is a, a, a the unexpected uh, reality hit of the of the season. And we've on the very first pilot, we've had a, a cliffhanger and then another cliffhanger. Uh, Sam Altman uh, had a, a picture of himself holding what he said was the first and last time he'd ever have a guest visitor tag when he was back over the weekend at OpenAI. He wanted the board members who were against him to resign. Now, there's a guy called Ilya Sutskeva who is a co founder and one of the board members that wanted him to go, but he's now on the side of those who want Sam Altman to come back. Uh, you know, like 95% of the uh, employees have sort of said, we're going to walk, we're going to go with Microsoft. And Microsoft was praised for sort of doing a, uh, a takeover without actually having to buy any of the company. But the market is so sort of spooked and, you know, people are unsure what's going on. And there's talk that Sam Altman is going to go back to be the CEO of OpenAI again. Uh, the, the board will, will uh, be dissolved. And uh, then all the you know the uh, employees will stay. But the thing is, none of that's set in stone yet. I mean, there was a couple of interviews on Bloomberg with uh, Satya Nadella, and Satya said, "Look, we're happy to work with Sam wherever he is, whether he's at Microsoft, where, whether he's at OpenAI. We're all one big team. I mean, they're very keen for this to to end, and they also were annoyed, as were many other investors, that uh, you know none of them were consulted. I mean, the, the board just decided that you no, know, there was bad communication. There was no uh, sort of uh, talk about malfeasance or, or bad." 
uh, behavior from Sam aside from bad communication. So it's very vague still as to what really happened. Yeah. That, that movie is yet to come. But uh, <laughs> crazy stuff is going on and the story's not finished yet. No, I'd love to know the truth. I don't think we're being privy to the truth at all. Um, can I can I say too, one of the great cyber technology stories of the week involves TNT Radio. Absolutely, yes. Well, we're now on video, so you can uh, watch us. If you're already watching us right now, thank you for tuning in. But we're on YouTube, we're on Rumble, we're on X, uh, and pretty soon I'm sure we'll be on the app. We're pretty much everywhere, so make sure you tune in, and I'm so pleased to be on uh, on video with you, Chris. Yes, exactly, um, which means we've got to uh, shave all the things that I don't like doing. We've got to wear <laughs> decent clothes, all the things I don't like doing. But anyway, we'll... We'll put on a good show. Now, Microsoft is bringing its chat GPT-powered AI co-pilot to Windows 10, although it still wants you to upgrade to Windows 11. Yes, look, part of the, the appeal of Windows 11 is that it had the Windows co-pilot. It had these extra features that you couldn't get on Windows 10. But, you know, most of the world that runs a PC is still using Windows 10. And even though that's going to be uh, stop, even though it's going to stop receiving updates in October 2025, which is just under two years away, Microsoft still doesn't want all those people to miss out on the benefits of Copilot powered by ChatGPT. They don't want them to be using ChatGPT directly or using right. uh, Google's BARD or using other systems. So already, if you're running the test version of Windows 10, if you're an insider, you can already get access to it on Windows 10. But I guess sometime early next year, every Windows 10 user will have access to it. And already, if you have Microsoft Edge, which is a free version of their browser based on Google Chrome, you can get uh, their version of Copilot right now. But it's going to be built in and it'll come next year. Okay. Now, Australian Consumer Advocates Choice have issued some good advice on how to shop smart and save money during the Black Friday sales. They're already on, aren't they? There's been, Look, it's Black November, just about. I mean, yeah. there's been plenty of plenty of deals. Aldi is, uh, famously has their sales on a Wednesday, so they've had Black Wednesday. Various other companies have their colour orange, so they talk about Orange Friday sales. But it's no surprise that there are sales, but you, you do need to shop around. You've got to make sure you're getting the best deal. You've got to ask for a discount according to choice. I mean, they're saying that 60% of people are thinking about making a purchase during Black Friday, and you do have some really good deals that are going to evaporate and not be repeated again. So, look, their advice is, always ask for a discount, compare prices, make sure you're not being ripped off. Do your research, don't buy on brand names alone. Very important to check the reviews and make sure you check the reviews from multiple sources. There are fake reviews out there. Don't buy the low value extended warranties, they say, and be on the lookout for scam hey, Hang on, go back to there, don't buy the what? Don't buy the low value extended warranties. Right. If you're going to buy an extended warranty, get it directly from the company itself. Like Apple has Apple Care, Samsung has Samsung Care. But uh -huh. if you've got the extended warranties from Best Buy or JB Hi-Fi or Harvey Norman, the warning is that oftentimes they can only give you more or less the same benefits you get that from the consumer, uh, you know, advocates. Well, the consumer uh, organisations in your country. Be, uh, check check out what you're getting for the money because you can find that uh, your house insurance will give you a better warranty or the company itself gives you a better warranty. So just be careful about that because the retailers do try and push their extended warranties on you and normally that's a profit center for them. But the other thing is look out for scam websites. The Australian Competition and Consumer Commission is warning that there are some uh, nefarious criminals out there who are cloning websites, putting the ABN, the business registration number, even buying a .com.au, which in the UK would be .co.uk or .com in the US. And they look very, very 
you know, legitimate. They look very oh, yeah. real. And you, you've got to make sure that the prices are not too good to be true. You might order something, it might not arrive. It might arrive, but then it's a fake product. Yep. So just be, you know, be very careful that what you're buying isn't just uh, you know, a promise that is really just extracting money from your wallet. But at the moment, the Black Friday deals are on. Many of them are genuine. And the retailers know that there's all this talk about inflation and people's uh, wallets being closed. So they're doing all they can to get consumers to open their hearts, minds, and wallets to buying something this side of Christmas. And look, the sales are going to continue all the way through until Boxing Day. So shop around. It's your money. Try and keep as much of it in your wallet as possible. You make a very good good point about being sucked into extended warranties from the retailer because under your state or territory's consumer laws, you are entitled to a product that lasts for you at least a year. And if anything goes wrong with that product within the year, you are entitled without an extended warranty to go back to the retailer and say, I want a new one. In Australia, it's at least two years. And in fact, right. it can be even more than that. Uh-huh. It can be several years, but then it really depends on the jurisdiction you're in. For example, my cousin lives in Hong Kong and in Hong Kong, the consumer warranties there are, or consumer rights are almost non-existent because so many people try and scam the retailers. They'll get an iPhone, for example, replace all the parts inside with fake parts, take it back to the store and try and get a refund. And so they're, they're very, um, you know, looking down upon uh, trying to give people their rights in, in certain jurisdictions. But in Australia, the consumer rights are very strong and you do have, you know, excellent consumer rights in this country, but check in the US, check in the UK, check wherever you're listening to us what those rights are. But then it's also fair to say that, you know, getting value from Apple care or samsung care is definitely there you can save a lot of money on repairs uh, for things that are not covered by the your nation's consumer warranty so check check it out you normally have you know up to a month to add on a, a warranty from apple care or samsung care you're not pressured to do it straight away so uh, definitely do your re- do your homework and uh, spend wisely yeah now just on the topic of scam websites which is just you know the 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 greatest trajectory at the moment on some of those social media sites, in particular Facebook, are scam websites, and gee, it's easy to get sucked in. But Australia's Competition and Consumer Commission is warning consumers to watch out for scam websites impersonating high-profile retailers when shopping online this Black Friday, Cyber Monday, Sale Weekend. So you're saying, when you say high-profile Australian retailers, I have seen, for instance, Boss being advertised on Facebook. And gee, it looks authentic. The prices are about a quarter of what I could buy them in the shop. And I am convinced they are shonks. Not boss, but the people who are on Facebook. Yeah, absolutely. These scammers are trying every trick in the book to get your money out of your wallet and for you to voluntarily hand it over to them. So, you know, they're going to uh, copy and paste all of the graphics from that particular website, yeah. uh, all the descriptions, everything. They're going to have very minor changes to the domain name. So it looks legit, but isn't legit. And yeah. you really do have to be on the be on the lookout for that. And you've got to check if, you know, all the major sites that you go to have the product at a certain price, but then there's a website selling it for one quarter of the price, mm-hmm. claiming it's a Black Friday deal or a Christmas deal. Warning, warning, it's it's most likely a, a scam. And if they send you anything at all, which you probably won't get anything, but you may even get a fake product. I mean, it's nice if they send you something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I ended up getting uh, conned on a motorcycle part. And the motorcycle part I bought was half the price. And I thought, oh, well, 
Uh, you know, I didn't think too much about it. Mm. It wasn't a lot of money. It was $60, and I thought, well, that's better than spending 130 And so I ordered it. And then when it didn't come for two months, I started having a look for the company, uh, searching it on the internet, and all of a sudden I found these websites which were full of complaints about this company never, ever delivering. They keep telling you it's coming. They keep sending you notes saying coming. You could never go back and speak to a normal person via a telephone or an email, so you couldn't even ask whether uh, it's coming or whether you're legitimate. It never came. I got ripped off, and that $65 or $70 gone. Absolutely. Look, the thing is, it's always important to also make sure you pay the right way because these scams are rife. So never pay by direct uh, bank deposit, money transfers, or digital currencies such as Bitcoin. If you pay via PayPal, usually PayPal can advocate on your behalf. They can rip the money out of that person's bank account, give it back to you. If you pay by credit card, often your credit card organization, separate to debit cards, can do the same sort of thing. I mean, it's easier to get money back from a credit card than through your debit card, although that's possible as well. And look, if you go to techadvice.life, I've got the information from Trace Magazine and the links to the HCC's oh, warnings. N- next week is Scam Watch Awareness Week, Scams Awareness Week. We'll talk more about it next week. But this is the time when people are, are vulnerable. They, they're looking for good deals. Inflation has bitten. I mean, all of the uh, reports are they're going to be spending less money this Christmas and holiday season than they have in many a year gone by. And so people want that you know, special time for their families and they're looking for a deal, but that's when you get stung the most. So really be on the lookout. You know, Australians and people around the world have lost millions, if not billions of dollars to the scammers. And, you know, you're just, you're funding their lifestyle. Don't, you know, don't do it. Think yeah. twice. And the problem is that they make the site that they're selling their gear or their products from look so legitimate, so professional, so slick, you can't tell the difference. Look, in the old days, when you got an email uh, that had misspellings and grammatical errors and typos, you knew. I mean, if you knew what you're looking for, you knew. But these days, the bad guys, you know, they've got the same access to web designers that uh, legitimate people yeah. do. And the web designers are part of the criminal, you know, clique as well. And look, these days, they can just copy and paste so many elements off another company's site. So they're, yep. they're not having to do much original work themselves. And again, if you're not sure, I mean, you know, ask a friend. Talk to somebody else. If you need to take your laptop to your doctor or chemist or local police station and ask because you you want somebody else's opinion, do it. They might you, you might think you're wasting your time, but better that you wasted somebody's time for five minutes than five hundred bucks is missing out of your account or more. Uh, I mean, people are genuinely losing tens of millions of dollars a year in Australia, so it's a real problem. Somebody you know has probably been scammed and wishes they weren't. I mean, that's money out of their pocket. So it's so important to double check everything do your homework read the reviews you know if all the reviews are also amazing that could be a warning sign too look for people who are unhappy look for the one stars read them what did they say you know there was a gadget i wanted to buy and they the 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 price was good it was actually a legitimate real gadget but the review said that when you plugged the uh, little microphones in this is for a recording system this version one product drained the battery if you didn't manually turn it off. So then I discovered there was a version two, which didn't have that problem. Now, why is version one still being sold? I don't know. But if I didn't check the reviews, I would have bought the wrong one. Yeah, exactly. Very true. Thank you, Holly, for your message on Chatbox. If it looks too good to be true, it probably is. And very quickly, Apple's new holiday ad was shot on iPhone 15, edited on MacBook, edited on MacBook Air, once again showing the company put its hardware where its holidays are. 
Absolutely. They like to, uh, as they say, eat their own dog food or eat their own cooking. The ad is great. It's a stop motion ad. Go and check it out. It's at techadvice.life. There's also a behind the scenes version of the ad. And it's just great to see this creativity. If you've got an iPhone, you can do the same sort of thing. Yes, you'll probably need a little bit of extra hardware and software to do it, but it's possible to do Hollywood style stuff. Steven Soderbergh made a whole movie on an iPhone 6 and we're now on iPhone 15 Pro Max. So uh, we've come a long way. All right, mate. Theme, fantastic. Great to have you on the program. Thank you very much for your time. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye. All right. Alex Zaha Rothroy. TechAdvice.life. I'm out of here. I'll leave you in the capable hands of Lembit OPIC. This is Chris Smith on TNT Radio.